0: But today, let's jump into our conversation. We are in the middle portion of this collection of talks that we've been in. We've got about three more weeks as we continue our discussion on a very important passage of scripture from the words of Jesus called the Beatitudes. And we've been unpacking each week that the Beatitudes is this teaching from Jesus that is actually way more than a teaching. It's instructing us on really how to live life the way we were created to live how to live life to the full. I've been reminding you what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10. It says the thief, the enemy, the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy your life. But Jesus said he's come to give you life, and not just that, but give you life to the full. And I believe today can be a life-changing message for you. I, believe, I mean, I believe that every Sunday, but specifically today. I can believe it can begin to lead us and guide us in truly the way God has created us to live. So as we start this series every single Sunday, let's read the Beatitudes really quick. They're gonna be up on the screen. Matthew chapter five, starting in verse one, if you'll throw it up on the screen, here's what it says. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. He said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. This is our beatitude for today. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. And God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. And God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. I love that closing line that we're blessed because we are following the Son of God, Jesus who went before us, who walked through this life, who experienced all the great things of life and all all the painful things of life so that we could follow him. And the title of today's message, I believe, is really gonna relate to all of us. And the title of today's message, as a pastor, I have to be a fan of this band called U2. I'm a big fan. I've been to their concerts before. They're like nothing else. And one of my favorite songs from them is the title of our message today, and it's called, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Maybe you've put so much effort into finding the meaning of your life. Maybe you put so much effort into attaining that relationship or success or job or status and you get to the end and you feel like I still haven't found that thing that I'm looking for. I've heard it said before that there's no greater depression than when you get that thing you've always wanted and you still feel the same way before you got it you finally get that job, you finally step into that relationship, you finally move to that location or do this or do that, and you get to the end and you still feel the same way you did before. Well, I want you to know that the only thing that I know that will fully satisfy you, fully complete you, is the presence of Jesus in your life and your relationship with the Son of God. Here's the beatitude once again that we're sharing. It's Matthew chapter five, verse six, which says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness... For they will be filled. I want to read it for you one time and ask you to say a word with me. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be, say it with me, for they will be filled. Let's try it again now that I prepared you. Not shocking you this time, no surprise, you know when to say it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. There we go. Good stuff. I like it. We're ready to go. Now, when Jesus was teaching, if you were his disciple or follower, I mean, anyone was was invited to listen to Jesus at this time. When he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, a lot of people in the crowd would be like, yeah, we're hungry. We're thirsty, Jesus. We are under the oppression of the Roman Empire right now. We're beaten, we're thrown in prison. We're a little hungry, that's true. But then Jesus fills it with this idea that it's not blessed are those who hunger and thirst for food or drink or freedom. For easy life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So we're gonna pretty much talk about two things, about the hunger and thirst we have and the direction that it leads us. And the second thing is what this word righteousness means. It's great, okay, I get it, Ryan, I gotta be hungry and thirsty for that. What does it mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're gonna have a conversation around that today. And would you write this down for me? Really, our conversation this morning is all about those of us who, uh, who feel not satisfied and empty this morning for those of us who feel like there's no satisfaction in our life we have some happiness yeah we feel good sometimes but we're not satisfied with where we're at and actually even deeper than that we may feel empty we may feel like visually and in appearances everything looks great but no one knows the emptiness that we're feeling no one knows the emptiness of our spirit and of our heart right now Well, I believe today that God wants to fill that emptiness. I believe today that Jesus wants to satisfy you and show you who you are. And other translations of this verse say that that you will be made complete, that you will be made complete in your life. And that's the opportunity for us. And here's where our conversation is going. I love this quote from an old theologian called St. Augustine. He says this, thou, great, great English, old English language right here. Thou hast made us for thyself. We should talk like that a little bit more, I think. Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. Are you stressed? Are you restless this morning? Well, the invitation I have for you, the tension we're setting up, is that today you can find rest and be made complete in Jesus, because he is more than able to take care of our life, more than able to be there through our storms and situations. And today, when, our, when we're blessed in the hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be filled. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we're so thankful that you're here in this place. We're so so thankful that you haven't left us to figure out this life alone. And God, I I just pray that we would give you these moments today. We would give you this time. We love you. We thank you. And we just ask that you would speak to us this morning. God, I'm so thankful for all of our local city kids team. I pray for all of them who are investing in the next generation of our little guys and girls who are falling in love with Jesus, even at a young age. Help them have fun today and help them experience your love today, God. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Once again, we all say and agree. Come on, give me a strong amen if you're ready for the message today. Come on, it's gonna be a good one. And give me a little bit more of a shout and clap for everybody watching for Local City Online. We're so glad you're with us today. Give them a shout so they can hear you. Every every single Sunday, I meet somebody who has watched online, and because of our amazing team, who's done such a great job hosting them online, they wanted to come try it out in person, and we're so excited that you're here, and we're so excited that you're watching today. You ever had those moments where you went out to eat, you went to a restaurant, and afterwards you had the appetizer, you had the main entree, and you had the dessert, and you're sitting there, and it's one of those, like, you got to undo a belt buckle type meal, and you're just like, that was so Good. Anybody ever had that before? Okay, a few of us. if you haven't had that yet, I got some restaurants I can suggest to you. Maybe for lunch today, or maybe here in the city. But we love that feeling, right? Now on the vice, on the opposite side of that, especially when you go to a little bit more of an expensive restaurant, when you're like, "Hey, everyone's told me about this restaurant. We gotta go." I gotta be honest, like. I'm not like a guy that's always like, yeah, let's go to the expensive place. I'm more like, where can we eat for like under 10 bucks each? I'm all about that, because I know there's good food out there for that price. And so I saw somebody raise their hand, amen. Yeah, I'm with you, sir. We're ready to go there. But you know, you go to that expensive place and you pay all this money, and you get to the end and you're like, eh. Like, eh. I mean, I could have made better steak at home, right? Like, I, I can do better at my house. And I know that sometimes we can feel that way about different experiences in our life. What about this? You ever go up to your fridge at home, and you open it, and it may be full, you may have just gotten, it may be the same day you just got, you went to the grocery store, No, nah, no one does that anymore, you got Publix delivered to the doorstep, right, and you unpacked it and put it in the fridge, and you open it up, and it's full, and you're like, man, there's nothing to eat in here. All right, I got a good on Uber Eats. Any deals today, right? Like sometimes we're standing in front of this fridge that's fully packed, and we may just let our preference be our guide and say, there's nothing to eat in here, which actually isn't true. There's something there. It just sometimes our preferences don't align with our hunger. And what happens spiritually in our life is that we begin to kind of pigeonhole God into our preferences rather than saying, God, what do you have for me? I just want to open it up and receive whatever you have. I want to open it up and know that you know better than I do because I know sometimes I'll open the fridge and it'll be a lot of nice healthy food in there, but I'll be like, yeah, we got any cookies? We got any ice cream, right? I'd just rather have some of that. But as we know, it's not healthy. We know it's not ultimately filling. There's somebody in the Bible that I think is really a great person to pay attention to. His name was Solomon and he was David's son, David and Goliath. If you know that story, Solomon was his son and he became the king of Israel at this time and, And he was also referred to as the wisest man who ever lived. There's this beautiful moment in Scripture where God speaks to Solomon and says, hey, you can have two things. You can have all the wisdom in the world or all the riches in the world. And in this moment of decision, Solomon says, God, I would love to know. I I need all the wisdom. I need to know how to apply the knowledge that I have. I need to know how to direct and guide my life in this kingdom that you've given me. And because of that humble decision, God then gave him all the riches and all the kingdoms, and Solomon definitely took that into his own uh, earthly desires a lot of times throughout his life. And what, what happens is Solomon writes this. He writes two books in the Bible. He writes Proverbs and he writes Ecclesiastes. And in Proverbs, it's this book of wisdom, this beautiful book of wisdom. But if you're ever looking for a kind of a Bible plan, find a month that has 31 days, and Proverbs has 31 chapters, a chapter a day. You're going to find some wisdom in your life. But he also writes this book Ecclesiastes which is a very interesting book. Growing up when emo music was poss- po- popular, Ecclesiastes would've been a great area of source material. Because what you see is this guy who's at the end of his life and pretty much saying, all these things that I thought were worth it were, were not. All these things that I wanted to do were not what I thought they were. And there was only, there's only one thing that matters. Let me show you in Ecclesiastes chapter two, here's what he says if you throw it up on the screen. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. I mean Solomon begins to unpack in every chapter of this book, saying things I've worked so hard and I attained everything and it was meaningless. I wrote books and I had riches and I had relationships and I had all of this but none of it could satisfy the deep need that I had. It all left me wanting more. It all left me feeling more and more empty. The different successes I would have and the different pleasures I would give into and the different preferences I would be hungry for and let lead my life, all of it was wasteful. All of it, nothing was worthwhile. It was like chasing the wind. You ever ever seen anyone chase the wind? No, because it's dumb and we don't do it because we realize we can never (laughs) catch the wind. It's constantly just out of reach. And at the end of the Ecclesiastes, Solomon says two things that I believe are really important for us. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, I believe, says this, or chapter 2 as well. It says, so I came to hate life. I'm going to lean into that for a second before I read the rest of it. Are you at at a place right now where you just hate life? We're faking it each day when we're trying to appear happy and appear, you know, put a smile on that angry face. But we're hating waking up in the morning. We're hating life because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. Amen to that, Solomon. (laughs) Sometimes it seems like everything troubles always right around the corner. But everything is meaningless, like chasing the wind, and I came to hate all my hard work here on earth, for I must leave to others everything that I've earned. I was doing some study on the book of Ecclesiastes, and some theologians and, and people who study scripture all the time have said, Ecclesiastes reminds us of two things. Number one is that without God's help, Without God's help, we cannot discover what is good for us to do. We cannot discover what is actually good for us. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, the only way we know what a straight line or what a crooked line looks like is because we know what a straight line looks like. The only way that we know that something is off, this is crooked, is because we've been gifted a straight line. And who gifted us the straight line? God. Who gave us the good line? God. And the second thing is, is that without God's help, we do not know what will come after us. We begin to take too much pride and and control over the things that we have because we just don't know what's going to happen after our life. Well, the freedom that we can find and the blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness is knowing we know what is good and we know what is right and we know that we will be filled and that will overflow into the next life after us with our family, with our friends, with our community that we influence and ultimately our eternal life as well. So what I want to do is kind of, give you a road map here on what this beatitude is unpacking for us. And the first word I want to lean, to lean into is that word hunger. See, hunger is a thing that we all feel. Let me give you a few things of what hunger is. Number one, hunger is real. Like some of us right now, we're like, hey, you know, it's getting close to 11. Uh, it's getting close, you know, or like lunchtime's coming up soon, so please let us out on time. I got that real feeling of hunger right now. We got some reservations, some brunch reservations. It's real. We got to get out of here, all right? Second thing is it's natural, it's natural for us to feel hunger. When we haven't eaten for a while, we realize, "Oh, there's something I'm missing." And so hunger and thirst is a natural feeling. The third thing is it's intense. Come on, my hangry people out there. When you like haven't had food in a while and you begin to lash out and get short with people and yell and you just say, "I'm so sorry, hangry." Like we have built a whole marketing brand for Snickers around it. You're not you when you're hungry. You're not yourself. When you're hungry, you're a little ornery, or a little angry, you're a little loud. And of course, if you ever seen a Snickers bar, what does it say on the other side? Satisfied, right? It's an intense feeling. It's painful. Our son Shepard, I mean, you would think we were the worst parents with sometimes the way he says he's hungry. Like he would have just eaten lunch, and like an hour later, he'll like be crying from the couch, like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm like, shepherd, no, you're not. You just, you just like want, you, you're just saying that, or sometimes he does it before bedtime because he just wants to stay up a little later. It's painful sometimes, but not like that, and we're pretty good parents, all right? It's our driving force. How many of you ever had those circles of people that when you want to go to lunch, they're like the hardest person to please? They're like, oh, I'm, not in the, I'm not hungry for that. I'm not in the mood for that. Oh, I just went there. All right, man, fine, you pick a place. Ah, I don't really know. Well, come on then, all right? Like it's the drive. But also, hunger and thirst is a sign of health. What happens when we get sick? We lose our appetite, right? And so hunger is actually a sign of health. And so I believe if we're hungry spiritually, it's actually a sign of health that God is drawing us to the next thing, the, the big thing, the new thing the, thing, the deeper thing that he has for us. So here's the idea. Hunger can do two things. Number one, it can keep us from God, or it can draw us to God. Hunger will do one of those two things. Because if you hunger for things that are not the righteous way of living, that will naturally draw you away from God. That's just true. And we're gonna unpack what righteousness is in just a minute here. But also, for those of us who have grown up in church, when you become to this place, I, I would say the greatest enemy for those of us who have grown up in church, or been in church a long time, is the word, the word I would use is familiarity. Where you be, oh, I've heard the Beatitudes again, man. I memorized those when I was in Sunday school. I could say them all for you. Blessed are those who who? Or begin to be familiar about stories in the Bible, like David and Goliath or the resurrection or the book of Psalms or Proverbs. We say, I know, I've heard that stuff before. We begin to to get familiar during worship where they're just words on a screen that we sing. We become familiar with prayer, and it just becomes routine and mundane. See, I believe when our hunger begins to realize that, oh, wait a minute, There's always more. Like God is an infinite God who is inviting me to deeper levels of who he is and deeper understandings of who I am. And there's a closeness that I can have with God that never ends. Like I've never reached a limit where it's like, okay, there's the fill line. I have all of God that I could possibly have. No, that doesn't exist. And the greatest people, the greatest encouraging people that I get to be around are people who have followed Jesus for a long time, but they never got familiar with the fact that they get to pray to the creator of the universe. They've never got familiar with the fact that the son of God stepped down from heaven and gave his life for you and me and conquered sin and death so we could be forgiven and free. Their posture is saying, "I'm hungry for more God because the very fact that I get to know you and pray in Jesus name is a miracle." So I'm not becoming familiar with that, I'm hungry for it. I want hungry for it. more of it because it's life-giving and vibrant and healthy. Our hunger draws us away from God or draws us to God. And I pray today we would begin to take inventory of where our hunger and thirst level is, but also the direction in which it's going. Because I believe, again, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That's my heart for you today. So let me give you two things that hunger does, really this idea of of what happens when we begin to be hungry, not only physically, but spiritually. So two things that can, can sometimes get in the way. Two things that keep us being hungry for God. The first thing is that we fill up on wrong things. I'll give you a moment to write that down and like really process that because that's a good one. I thought about it this way: I'm, um, I'm a I'm a creature of just what I want. Sometimes I'll see it and I want it right now. I just I got to be honest with you at those moments. And I and I've had moments when i have been driving home from work or driving home from a meeting and it's dinner time, and just that you know again the the, the stomach starts to grumble and you're like, man, I'm hungry. Like you get so busy during the day, you kind of forget to eat, and then it all hits you on the drive home. And I, I gotta be honest with you, again, we're open and honest here at local city church. I gotta be vulnerable with you. One of my biggest vices when I'm driving home and I'm hungry is some Taco Bell. I just gotta be honest with you, I know it's gross, I know it's not healthy for you, I know, I know, I know. Okay, you don't have to tell me or lecture me, I know. And I got to, I'm a little frustrated right now with all the inflation because my normal $5 Taco Bell order is like $8.50 now. Come on! Maybe it's God just saying, Ryan, you need to eat less of that. But anyway, I'll go to that and I'll just fill up on junk. It is junk. There is no way to redeem that it's healthy. I used to try, come on, it's lettuce. It's not bread. It's a shell. It's all good. No, it's not healthy for you. And I would get so frustrated because I would fill up on that, which isn't good. Makes you feel good for like one second and then you feel terrible. And I'd walk into my house My beautiful, incredible wife would say, hey, I made dinner for you. No! I've just wasted all of that on something that is not good for me, that is the wrong thing. And sometimes I believe, not only physically, but spiritually we do that. Instead of waiting for the meal and nourishment that God has prepared for us, we're saying, well, this is easy, so I'll just pull off and get it right now. This is easy, and I want it right now, so I guess I'll just have it right now. Rather than being patient and waiting. There's a character in the Bible, real guy, his name was Moses. He was one of the most powerful people that we see in the Bible. And he grew up having, he, wanted, he had everything he needed. He had everything he wanted. He grew up as a royal position in Egypt. And there's this moment where he began to have this identity struggle that this is not who he is. Because it's true, it wasn't who he was. He was an Israelite. He was from the community of God. And he realized that this was what God had called him to do, was to help these people. And in Hebrews chapter 11, here's what it says. It says that Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. This is huge. Rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses said, you know what? I'm gonna be who God created me to be and I'm not gonna give into these pleasures anymore. Because he, he he began to understand the invitation that God offers his people and his kids, his community of people, you and I. In Isaiah 55, here's what the prophet Isaiah is speaking from the word of the Lord. Is anyone thirsty? Yep. Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. My dad taught me a long time ago, Ryan, if it's free, it's for me. So I'm always signing up for things I get for free. Even if I don't want it, it's free, I want it. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that doesn't you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. What I would really encourage you to lean into in this scripture is that you're spending your time and money and emotions, and desires. You're spending your life on things that do not give you strength and do you no good. You're spending and paying for things that will not help you, that will not fill you, that will not complete you, that will continue to leave you empty. And what does God say? Hey, I've spent it all already. I've paid for it all already. And I've placed it in front of you. Now all you gotta do is enjoy it. All you have to do is take that bite and see the goodness that I have for you. Here's the truth about the wrong things. A lot of times those wrong things are sin. Here's the truth I need to give you. Sin, yes, definitely tastes good, but never satisfies. If sin didn't taste good, I wouldn't have to talk to you about not doing it. If sin wasn't sometimes pleasurable, there would be no addictions in our life. We'd be like, why do I wanna do this thing that doesn't feel good? But a lot of times the things that are healthy, that do help us, don't feel good right away, but do satisfy. It's like when you feel good that you woke up and went to the gym, you feel terrible doing it. I mean, I went back to the gym after a long time last week and it was like jelly legs all week, right? I didn't like it, but I realized it was a a signal that I had begun to step into doing something healthy again for my life. It's not always easy to diet or get healthy or to take time away from social media and streaming and all that stuff, but it's good for us because it satisfies. We fill up on the wrong things. Second thing is, is that we've never experienced the goodness of God. This is for those of us, maybe it's your first time or it's your first time back in church in a long time. You've never experienced the goodness of God. I want you to know, God is a good God. Says that all the time. God is a good God. God is a good father. God has good things for his kids. And good sometimes is a different definition than we have because it's good in the long run. It's the healthy good. It's the righteous good. And we lean into this understanding that when the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good, it's actually true. I love that verse in Psalms. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good, and for those who have the joy of taking refuge in him, realizing that I don't need anything else because I've taken refuge in my heavenly Father. I've taken refuge in Jesus. And this isn't a difficult place to be. It's full of joy. It's full of life. The biggest thing that I hate about where we've brought church over the last hundred some years or thousand years, whatever, is that we're not allowed to have fun and enjoy our time together, where we're supposed to sit here and just, mm, yeah, no, no, no. Like, there's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the presence of God. We'll celebrate surface-level things like the lightning winning, but we'll also celebrate significant miraculous things like people coming into this place and being forgiven and set free and being healed of sickness and families coming back together. That's exciting. And if you don't like joy and goodness, you're not going to enjoy heaven. That's not what heaven's going to be. Heaven is going to be an exciting, loud, great place. There will be moments, yes, for sure, where we're in awe that Jesus is right there. But the Bible tells me that we're gonna be singing for eternity, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we're not gonna be singing it like, holy, holy, holy. No, we're gonna be like, holy, holy, holy God, I cannot believe I'm in your presence. You are the Almighty. It's all because of you. And that's the goodness that we want to help you experience. On the flip side, again, for some of us who have grown up in church, my fear is that you've forgotten what the experience of the goodness of God is like. You've become familiar with it. I want to ask you this question. I want to take a moment for it to kind of set in and maybe for you to wrestle with it for a moment. But think about this. Write this down for me. Have you rejected the things of God because of how someone else served them to you? Have you rejected the good things of God because of how an imperfect person or imperfect church served them to you? See, I believe the enemy, we do have an enemy, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him, he is an enemy. And the biggest thing that he would want you to get to a place of is, yeah, I know who God is and I've surrendered my life to Jesus, but you just stay there. And you never step deeper into the goodness that God has for you. And when you think about church and you think about the goodness of God, all you can still think about is that person that hurt you or said that hurtful thing or that way that church didn't see you or you feel like you didn't belong there or they did something you disagreed with. And we begin to miss out on the good things God has for us because of how someone else served it to us. Here's my honest confession. I've had bad experiences at restaurants before. And so have you. That doesn't mean I give up on food because I know I need it. I've had bad experiences at Starbucks before where they write my name, a God awful version of my name. Like, there's no I in there, what are you doing? Or they mix my order up or whatever. I've just made it, you know, my decision, I'm always gonna be nice to people no matter what. But the thing is, I haven't given up on coffee, I still go, I still stop at Starbucks. And then my problem is, is that sometimes we get hurt by the church or we get hurt by people and we say, well, God, I'm done with you. When we treat much more insignificant things, we give them way more chances than we give the God who gave his son for us and created us and breathed life into us. Can I encourage you today? God is worth you giving a second chance. God is worth you putting more of your life in his hands because he knows what he's doing. You can trust him. He is redeeming. Worthy and worthy of it all because He is a truly good God and a perfect Heavenly Father, and you will never outlive or outgrow or out experience the level of goodness that He has for you. So stop blaming God for what people did to you. Stop blaming God for what the imperfect world has done to you and say, God, I know this world is hard. I know this life is troubling, but I know you are above it all. So I'm gonna go back to you. I'm gonna give you a chance. I'm gonna hunger and thirst for the things that you have for me so that I can be filled. I want you to experience and know the goodness of God. So, let me, As we close today, let me give you the two things righteousness is. And again, I would encourage you sometime today to go back to that question. Really think about it. God, have I been blaming you for things people did to me? Have I been reluctant to surrender or get back to that place where worship was just so powerful in my life? Have I put a lid on how much you can use me to make a difference in someone's life because of how I've been hurt here on this earth? But I know that you are bigger than that and you are a healer. And it's the invitation we give for these Sundays with Growth Track because we believe God has called us to grow continually. And until we realize who he is and who we are and the church he's called us to plant roots in, we're never gonna be living that full, complete and satisfied life that life of righteousness so here's the first thing righteousness is number one righteousness is right standing with God just to let you know that there is sin in our life sin is a bad thing it exists life is not about just doing what makes us feel good or doing what comes natural it's not life sin has a place in our life because sometimes we want to do what God has asked us not to do I've learned that more so in the four years of my child being alive than ever Realizing that we just naturally want to do what we're told not to do. And sin has separated us from God. Sin has separated us from experiencing him, separated us from his family. But God did not let it just lie there. He dealt with it with his son Jesus on the cross. And scripture tells us that now the righteousness of Jesus, who lived a perfect and blameless life, that righteousness is now attributed to you when you've surrendered your life to him the righteousness of the Son of God, God no longer sees your sin. He no longer sees your mistakes. He no longer sees your past. He sees one thing, and that's the righteousness of his Son, Jesus, all over you so that you can step freely into the family of God and be forgiven and set free and understand the gift of life that he's given you. And you can stand before him. And about, you ever had those moments of shame where you didn't want to stand in front of your parents or in front of your teacher or in front of someone you knew you wronged? Like you knew you needed to ask for their forgiveness. You knew you needed to own up to the mistakes. But because of the shame that you felt, you couldn't even stand in front of them. Maybe some of us feel that way about God. Uh, I feel like I can't, I can't stand in his presence. I know everyone, people are worshiping him or, or celebrating. God wants nothing to do with me. And I want to tell you that is a lie from the enemy. Because God wants everything to do with you. Otherwise, why would he send his everything in his son to give his life for So that you could stand and say, God, I don't deserve it, but here I am. Here's all of me. Here's everything that I have. Because we have been made right with God by coming into a relationship with him. It's not about religion. It's not about rituals. It's not about rules. It's about relationship. I always make the, make the joke that the, the day I begin to make my marriage about the rules that I'm supposed to do as a good husband is the day Adrian says, all right, buddy, see you later. This is about relationship. I'm not doing these things because I have to. I'm not doing these things because it's what a good husband would do. It's because I have a relationship with my wife, and I love her more than anything. It's the same thing with God. I've been made right because of my relationship with him. In Romans chapter 5, here's what it says. We'll throw it up on the screen. It talks about since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Jesus, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. This is the word I want you to lean into. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Every sense of the word, God wants to be your friend. And you can stand before God forgiven and set free with no shame and no guilt because of one person and that's the person of Jesus. Because of one giver of righteousness and that's the giver of Jesus today. There's no better gift. There's no better thing to be thankful for. And you can stand right with God because you've been made right with God by being able to have a relationship with him. So when I pray in Jesus' name, I know God hears it. When I lift my hands and I sing in worship, I know God is here in this place. When I'm going through hell on earth, I know that God who has conquered hell is walking me through that and helping me through those situations, knowing that he is with me, that he is for me, not because he has to be, but because he wants to be, because I have a relationship with him as my heavenly father. And Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Come on, if you're thankful that you have right standing with God, let's give him some praise today. And as we close today, the second thing is where a lot of us may get held up and it's right living on earth. There is a right way and a wrong way to live. There is a crooked line and a straight line. And God has called us to have right living here on earth. And here's the statement I want you to understand is that we have right living on earth by pursuing the lifestyle that God intends. I think the most frustrated I get as a parent is when I know what I have for Shepherd is so good. But he just doesn't want to do it. Because he's like us. We have our own wants, our own desires. And I'm saying, buddy, if you would just come, if you just get in the car, we're going to a theme park. We're going to the toy store. If you would just get in the car, we're going. If you would just trust me that I gotta buckle you in, I gotta put you in this seat. If you would just trust me, you would realize I'm taking you to a place that you want to go. I'm taking you to that place of fulfillment where your dad's going to provide for you. You don't have any money to buy that toy, but I do, and I want to give it to you because I love you and care for you. But you got to surrender first, and trust me, and let me pick you up and place you in that safe place of your car seat and drive you there when you can't see what's going on, knowing that I'm bringing you to a good place, that I'm bringing you to a heavenly place. There is a right way of living, and when we begin to live that way, it becomes contagious. I was at, a, We were at a friend's house last night, and I brought Shepherd over there to play with another one of his little friends, and as we were leaving, I went up to the dad, and we did the bro hug thing where, you know, you got the good, like, like clap there, and you bring each other in, it was great, it was a good one. Filled the house with that nice clap echo, and we, like, gave the bro hug, and then we were heading out, and, and Shepard, like, started to cry. He was like, wait, 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 wait. And I was like, what's up, buddy? He was like, he was like, he, like, put his hand up like this oh you just want to give the little guy's name was Leo he's like you want to give Leo a high five and he goes okay so he got Leo a high five but, but I grabbed him away before he was able to finish and so what he kept doing he was like doing this yes that's what I was my reaction to he wanted to do what his dad was doing he was like I want to bring him in I want to do this and they tried it it looked really very cute and funny but I, but I remember there was this moment where I was getting upset with him but he just wanted to live he wanted to do what I was doing And I believe sometimes, you know, life will be difficult. Life will get upset at us. But we're just trying to do what our Father has shown us. We're just trying to do what our Heavenly Father has directed us to do. And there is a lifestyle that we are called to follow. There is a lifestyle that God has laid out for us. And it's the lifestyle that leads to freedom. It's the lifestyle that leads to righteousness. It's the lifestyle that is the only filling and complete one that you will ever find. Because I promise you, at some point, you're gonna come back to this place and realize, you were right, Ryan. I went and tried it, but it left me wanting. Again, one of my most fulfilling times as a parent is when my son comes to me and says, you were right. I'm like, I know! I'm trying to save you from the same mistakes that I've made. I'm trying to save you from pain and hurt, because no matter what, life is pain that's going to happen, but you can either go through it alone, or you can go through it with Jesus. You can either go through it alone and try to figure it out by yourself, or you can simply surrender to the freedom that Jesus has already, already giving you. You can try and find the right thing by your perception and preference, or just surrender and accept the righteousness of Jesus that has been freely given to you, that you're hungry and thirsty for anyway. Come on, God wants you to be filled and made complete and satisfied, and I want that for our lives as well. Would you stand to your feet as we close today?